Kia ora everyone. This episode of The Stag Roar is brought to you by Shearsies. After COVID last year, I wanted to start putting away some money to create a little bit of a nest egg on top of what I was already doing with KiwiSaver. Shearsies allowed me to invest $25 a week in the share market and see the returns. If you'd like to start investing in the share market, follow the link in the show notes and you'll receive $5 to go towards your first investment. Check it out in the show notes. Follow the link to Shearsies. Nice. Hell of a hell of a mood there, mate. You're um Akash, you you design spaces. What are you what are you going for here, bro? Um trying to go for um like a you know like a moodlet cafe. Yeah, yeah. Um something that's just warm and the it's got the ambience, you know? Um because cause it reminds me of like, you know, when when you've got like those late night cafes that are just open and you're, you're sitting up there on the couch and the fire's running, it's got the the brick um, the brick walls and the mood lighting, it's all warm and yeah, man, just that coziness. So that's what I've tried to recreate. Um, hopefully I can do a little bit more in the future, you know, when, when I can do things up a little bit more, but. I'm happy with what I've got now. Yeah, bro. Yeah, um, that that image is, is there's a there's a bar in sort of Britomar. It's underground. Um, it's kind of set up like a speakeasy, and they do cocktails. I think there's another yep. one up in Ponsonby as well. And they they've created the most amazing space where at your table you're lit. Everyone else's table is lit, but they're kind of they everyone disappears. And somehow yep. they got the acoustics so right. They've got all these broom handles in the ceiling. And yep. so your conversation is really intimate and close and you can hear everyone. It's a full bar, but you can't really hear anyone else. <laughs> it's <Yeah>, magnificent. Man. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like the, the, the beauty with like constructing spaces, you know, is like you can really get down into the, like when when we design spaces and stuff now we can get like quite well into the um the science of where s- sound travels and how much sound and how much sound we think the space is going to generate and therefore how can we design the space to to create those experiences that you're talking about you know yeah that's what's been really valuable in learning experience about podcasting um, i remember when i first got this microphone i talked to the back of it and so it sounded like I was in a toilet. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so what I was getting was my voice bouncing off the wall of my laptop and then hitting the most sensitive part on this side. And, I, yeah, I was just, like tried to – I went into a cupboard and, like, put curtains and cushions and, and rugs and everything everywhere to try to <laughs> dampen it down, and I still sounded like shit. And I was like, what, what on earth am I doing wrong? Because I, yeah. I re- recorded a uh, voiceover for one of the ads I ran, ran at the time, and it sounded really good. And I was like, what did I do differently then? I was like, oh, University of YouTube, what's the story? Search my mic. And then first thing first, the guy says, no, the most sensitive part of this microphone is there. And it was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you read good. the instructions, man? Never. Never. <laughs> Come on, man. First step. Yeah, First step bro. of the unboxing that everyone always misses. Eh? <laughs> yeah. is, uh, read the instructions. Hardcore, hardcore. Um, what else did I have had? Oh, yeah, then I got um, 
my studio set up and yep. uh, started recor- recording the audio in stereo. So that was fun. Right. It had a little back and forth between your, your headphones, which was all your, all your car speakers. That was quite distracting. So then uh, the next time I was like, right, recording in mono. And in the software I had, um, recording in mono just meant it took one channel. And so I just had me talking nice and loudly and, and firm. And then right. my guest, again, talking into the back of my microphone and it bouncing off the walls and hitting my microphone. So that was, yet again, it's not easy. <laughs> no, man. But that's the thing, eh? It's just like, testing and failing and figuring things out and how they work Hard out, yeah. yeah yeah and so so now for this little zoom studio i've um got my curtain here and my curtain behind and then behind my laptop i've got two foam um single mattresses and and they sort of block out the rest of my kitchen and <laughs> it's good fun <laughs> and of course i've um got this little doohickey that i've adopted off you mate the the open box that you attach your uh, mic stand to. Where'd you, where'd you come up with that idea? It was, it was genius. <laughs> it it kind of just um, like when we started the, when we started our podcast, you know, we had these, um, the mic arms and then we just like looked around the house and we're just like, like, how do, how do we attach this to the small space that we've got? And then we went into the next, like the room next, next door. And we just looked and we we're like, Oh, okay, well, these will fit, you know? Yeah, bro. And then they just ended up being <laughs> like the, the little units we used. Ah, cool. So it was I'll, pure, I'll... pure luck and chance and no real thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I picked up one from um, Kmart. It's a toy box. And I've uh, scratched off the little hedgehog and the thing is here, like, let's play on there. And um, my girlfriend's uh, just given me these two, or she gave me three, vinyl stickers that I put on there so I've got the the stagger or logo on, on the top and, and back of it now so it's, it's bloody good to go like and, and then I can just like chuck all my recording equipment in the box and and go on the road which is which is exciting um exactly so man what 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 have you got in your in your space there <clears throat> um so I've, I've I've got like my roadcaster microphone and that yeah. goes off onto the the mic arms um then I've got my DSLR camera up here. Yeah. Um, and then that hooks and connects into like my computer. And usually when we like do our normal podcasts, we've got about three cameras running. Wow. Um, yeah. And so that we get like the main frames and then I've got a mate who comes in, he helps me and he live, we like live cut as we go. Mm-hmm. So when people are talking, we can cut to them. Um, and so that's, that's like the, the video feed and then the audio is, everything goes into the roadcaster. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then that all goes into OBS studio and And that's where I bring all the visual and audio together. Nice. And so then the output's just one finished file that we have to do like very minimal editing and stuff too. And then we can just put a beginning and end to it and get it out. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm all about efficiency. People probably see that in, in the product that I produce. It's uh, yeah. minim- minimally edited and uh, just uh, it, it's about the content, not not necessarily necessarily. That's, the that's something I've been that's something I've been like struggling with. Eh, is like knowing because because I still like I a, as a designer, I like something that is highly produced mm-hmm. and refined. 
you know, and that's kind of what holds me back as well, where you want speed over quality, you know, and quality mm-hmm. over speed. And how do you balance the two up? And um, I think it's only taken me to like today to just be like, just, just get it out, you know, because having something out is always going to be something better than like, you're, you're going to refine it and you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, I can fix this or this is really going to annoy me. But it's like, <laughs> think about a hundred episodes down, you know, yeah. You're, you're only worrying about this one now because it's the most recent one. But what about a hundred? Try, try think about getting to the next hundredth video. Yeah. You know, and this little thing's not going to matter. <laughs> so that's, yeah, I've, I've trying to, trying to weigh that up and, um, kind of, kind of reflecting on that and telling myself to just, you know, keep going and, don't let the little things like hold me down. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I definitely hear you producing a podcast, and there's and there's, like I said, there's been these moments where I've tried new things and and yeah. I've been better, but there's been that sort of little bit of knowledge gap which which has showed. And and it's it's funny, like I said, the one when I where I had the studio set up and and went to mono and. So many people were, were like, "No, that was really good," and I was like, "Oh, I was so embarrassed by that." And yeah, and it's and it's funny when you listen to other people's podcasts, you, you straight away are onto it. Like, "Oh, what happened there? Like, what what's going on?" <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> and you can be so self self critical, but like going back to episode one, like human now, was it always a, about this uh, making positivity louder, or, or or how did you sort of workshop the concept of you and a mate are going to sit down and get some people on and talk some good um yeah man so episode one was kind of just like like we had the idea of human now but making positivity louder that hadn't that hadn't come into the picture for like maybe a year and a half into the actual podcast yeah the human now was about figuring out and it's always been about like figuring out what it means to be human and now Mm -hmm. um and we would come on and it was kind of like a space where we would come on, talk smack sometimes, talk about whatever. Like it was really just a really fluid and like a, a space, a space, space to just explore mm-hmm. um, and talk about whatever, chuck it up. And we had no idea. I had never listened to a podcast before in my, my life. Loose. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and everyone around us didn't know what they were doing as well. We're just like, sweet, let's just get in a room and talk about stuff. Like we, we, and we were always into like self-development. Um, we always watched a lot of people. We've always attended classes, um, like youth classes and things like that. So that was like the one common theme between all of us is Mm -hmm. that we, we like that personal development side of things personal development and spirituality and how we can be better ourselves as human beings. And so we were doing these recordings. We would kind of get guests in and we'd speak about things that maybe we would discuss as like a friends group. Mm. So that's why it was kind of like, yeah, let's just get our friends and the discussions we have, let's just record them and upload them. And, and for me, there was still something that was kind of missing or there's like a a piece of the puzzle that hadn't kind of clicked yet. 
you know, and it was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. It's the human now. But like, like, what does the human now mean? And, and we were, we were answering and figuring out like, what is the human? What is the now? But there's still one underlying kind of purpose or like that drive or push, you know? And it wasn't until maybe about last year or I think it was last year or the year before, just a little bit, uh, just near the end of maybe 2019, I had uh, Fraser Groot in, um, and he does the 10,000 Dreams Project. Hmm. And when I was speaking to him, um, he, like, I was just, I just, I was just blown away and had to take a step back. Um, Cause I was like, I was doing my podcast, but in speaking to him, this guy's doing a recording for like, um, of like 10,000 dreams, you know? Mm. And for me, that was like, damn, what, like, what am I doing? And, and his dream and his purpose is to share stories of 10,000 dreams and to show people that they can dream. And, uh, and for me, that was like a moment where I had to reflect, you know, and just to take a step back and be like, no, what is the, the real purpose of what I'm doing? Um, and, and it's interesting because you kind of go through like phases of life where you, you have the highs and the lows and you go around different friends, friends groups and things like that. You're around different people based on how you feel. And at the time I was just around like not the, the best crowd, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I realized like the world isn't a happy place. You know, and it's not a happy place for a lot of people. And and I've been in places where it is a happy place, you know. So so why don't I just focus on that? And and why couldn't why couldn't positivity be something that I could be about? And let's make the world a better place, you know. And that's where the the idea of making positivity louder and that that purpose it, it hit me and everything clicked. You know, and I was like, let's just lift the the vibration that's around us, and let's raise this frequency because we could sit here and talk about how bad and sad the world is, or you know, we could increase the vibration of all all the things that are good in this world, and have a good time. That's uh, there's so many things that I'm sort of running mentally through my head there. I'm I'm, I'm going to try and unpack that one thing at a time. Yeah, man. Um, who was when, when you started out the podcast? Who was the predominantly in that friend circle that you sort of got together and talked yarns and, and discussed? And like I said, talked about growth, personal growth, personal development. Who, who were all these people? Where'd they come from? Um, so these guys were like one of them was my sister, mm. um, and the other guy, other two guys, other three guys actually were my best mates, and we all came from like a Bollywood dance school, Indians. Yeah. And so for like 13 years of my life, uh, we would, we were like in a Bollywood dance group and we'd put on like productions. We started off in a little community center and over time we saw, we like did productions from like, so yeah, we had the community center. We went to like um, a local school theater and from there we went to ASB theater in town. Wow. Yeah. Um, And then we also did like a 360 production in um out south at the what is it it was like the vodafone event center mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well it must be like tausha claire events or something 
you yeah. know and it was it was from there where we were like we were uh, we were around like 20 21 years old you know and putting on these shows and things and and it was from there we were that group of friends where we were like yeah we could actually that's where i learned like you can actually do anything that you want <laughs> you know and there's like no there's no limit to doing anything and so when when one of the guys Harish, he he's like why don't you just start a podcast like with what you're doing you know and and so then it was like okay sweet so and who are we going to have on it was like let's just have our mates you know mm-hmm. and and i had a mate at the time also who was into video and photography video and photography as well and we were kind of doing like these dance videos on the side and so we're like sweet we've got like the gear and the stuff to help us to do it let's just start that's so, so cool. it was, yeah it's was, it was just <clears throat> around the, the friend circle that and i consider them all as like my family now you know well, they've always been my family. So, so what was the personal development looking like? Like, was it around like how to execute your memory better, or or how to be stronger, flexible, more rhythmic, creating tunes? Like, what what did it all look like in terms of personal development when it was that space? Um. Do you mean like in the Bollywood school or do you mean in the, yeah, and, and just the, in life in the, or Yeah, life general? and in the friend, the friend group and what was what we sort of bouncing around with it between each other. Yeah, so like a lot of us would attend our like youth classes um, mm-hmm. where we learn like the Hindu scriptures and Vedanta. Um, and, and pretty much what that is is just like understanding how to be and live in this world. And so for us, that was like a lot of personal development and, and really what it was at that time was being in a space where you could just like talk to your mates, you know, if you had a problem, because, because a lot of these guys are older than me, Mm -hmm. I could just go to like, and, and they're the type of people to like know and ask like what's happening, you know, like they, Mm -hmm. they, they're the type of people at that age or when I was that age who knew me better than I knew myself, you know? So if I walked into a space and I wasn't feeling the best, they'd already know. And Mm. they would ask me, you know, and, and when I tell them how I felt, they were able to like, just logically explain like, yeah, this is like how you feel, but what you should actually do is maybe this, you know? (laughs) And, and it's that's like a hard thing to take and understand but like when you've got like those types of people around you um you just you just trust you know how cool um throughout this journey of this podcast i've been sort of as a secondary goal been motivated by men's work and bringing that sort of mentorship uh, guidance um yeah uh, reflection to men and sort of what I think is very missing from European culture. And um, when I spoke with Jaguri Lalu, um, who I said to you about, did you know him? And, and he didn't. Um, one of the things I said to him, I was like, what is that about Hindu culture that you feel so ready and so able to ask for help? And he said, that's like ingrained in Hindu culture is ask for help, ask your others. And I was like, I don't think we have that. <laughs> yeah. How, how how do you how do you see it? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think I've also been lucky 
to like have grown up in a household like where like my parent both my parents have always said if there's a problem just tell us mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter like if you've done right or wrong or if you like like the best thing you can do is just say whatever's happening mm-hmm. and we'll deal with it from there so yeah man i think like growing up in a in a hindu household you know where you just share but but also i i think it it might not just be in the like a a cultural thing i think it is like the the type of people or the, the family that you're around and what they've enabled you to do because there could be other families like other hindu families around out there who don't necessarily speak and share everything you know mm-hmm. um but yeah i i know for like from from my own experience like what mum and dad um have always told us in this like conversations we've always had it's always been like just be open and share and say how you feel you know mm. yeah something uh, i've sort of voiced a few times around a, a catholic upbringing is the feeling of shame and in, in sort of sin around stuffing up and letting people down but then i was just kind of thinking then the sort of stereotype of um how indian culture is pers- pers- um perceived or, or shown to european culture is that you've brought shame on our family like that that's the sort of thing that you see and i don't know <laughs> i might begin that from like something like coronation street or something like that but like um it is what what's the sort of vibe of shame around doing something wrong as a child in the like the hindu in, culture hindu culture yeah oh yeah man like like for like the real traditional families man like there it's it's like if you if you it's like reputation is everything okay and how you're perceived by other people in your community you know where like maybe our the elder generation in our community um it's always about like how other people are going to perceive them and so depending on like what you do or we do you know it's like don't do this because someone might see you and then therefore they're going to go tell their grandma auntie's uncle you know <laughs> yeah. and and whereas our generation is kind of just like who cares you know yeah. like why does it matter what someone else thinks of us um but like it could even go as far as like like a big thing in our in our culture is the type of job you have you know and like I could take my sister for example as well. So like if you ask any Indian, any Asian person what the what the typical job is for the golden child <laughs> and they'll say uh it's you know your your doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, and anything outside of that, anything creative is not accepted. You're basically a failure, you know. And so my sister, she she didn't she didn't enjoy school you know she was never there to like learn and she was okay with just getting through and being done you know she's very she excelled in sports and she's a very good communicator and had lots of friends hmm. you know she's very uh, uh she's very much a people's person and she ended up choosing a career in the police you know and that was the first 
she was the first community, you know? Um, and that was a massive thing. And also like a massive thing for my, my parents to kind of just understand my family to my extended family for all of them to kind of understand, like, what is this, you know, like a, <laughs> a police woman, you know? And now that she's in there, she's doing it. She's doing really well. You know, everyone, everyone loves it. You know, they have so much respect for her and what she does. And I think it's just like that little, just that, that living of that fear of that unknown, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the same for like Indian or yeah, Indian kids who want to pursue something in the arts because like the, I feel like the, the Hindu culture has always been like, you go to school, you study, you get married and you settle and and it, I don't think it comes from a place for um, like parents are not doing, I don't think the parents are doing something to like hurt their children. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it comes from deep down, it comes from a place of love where they just want their, their children to be, to feel secure and settled, mm-hmm. you know? And, and the, the way to do that is that these jobs kind of promise will give that you know in the in the eyes of the parents certainty eh? it's exactly yeah. certainty um but for the children who want to pursue a career in the arts you know and something creative where that certainty isn't there that that's like um and that's uncomfortable for parents you know mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. kind of get around or understand what that that's when it becomes like a hobby you you just do this as a hobby and you need to go and do this yeah you know so so you said coming up you're into bollywood dancing so is that kind of the marrying up of creativity tradition and this new frontier like especially when it comes to the movies and and shows and stuff like that like that's not traditional but it's tapping on something traditional that was that was like my way of connecting back to my culture. Yeah. You know, because it was only like 2017 when mm-hmm. I first went to India. Like otherwise I've been born and raised here. You know, and I've lived I've lived a very westernized lifestyle. And the only culture that I've been exposed to is like through Bollywood dancing, through Bollywood movies and attending like Sunday school where we go and learn our um like our mother tongue you know yeah um but yeah so yeah like bollywood dancing for me was like a space where you could connect back to the culture would wear our traditional outfits and yeah man it was a lot of fun it was so much fun yeah and so what was what was the setting that you um were able to perform in was it something that you guys put on yourselves or or was it some type of event no you put it on yourself yeah, man, we put it on ourselves. We started off as just like um, doing like showcases of just dances. Yeah. And then it developed into adding stories and scripts and dialogues and everything, actors. And we were like, oh, yeah, let's put, now we're going to bring in like props and how we're going to decorate each scene. And we just learned, like we had no idea what we we're doing and we just learned everything. Um. <laughs> To the point where we were even doing like all the backstage stuff, you know, like stage managers, sound and light technician stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then ah, oh, there was there was something else I was gonna say. It skipped my mind. 
It's all right. We'll it was something you had. Can you can you do you remember so, what you asked? It was like, what was the setting of it? Did you create it, or or was it? In- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so as well as having like the stage perf- like the the show performances. Yeah. We also got to like go and perform because we go perform at like people's um, private parties and things like that. So like my Friday and Saturday nights would be dancing at like all these fancy people's houses in Rimuera. Like <laughs> there was one we were dancing on the side of someone's pool. Yeah. You know, you know like um, Graham Hart is like yeah. New Zealand's richest man. He had like a Bollywood party. So we got invited to go and dance there. How do people find um, you? Oh, just on the website, you know, and <laughs> through like word of mouth. And then like we also applied and got selected to dance at um, Christmas in the Park for a couple of years as well. Wow. This, this is this is blowing my mind. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, like it was just, and a lot of it was just um, putting ourselves out there and applying for stuff and word of mouth, really. No doubt. I, I can now see what you're saying about how that started the idea of, man, anything's possible. Like, like yeah. you say, like you say there, mixing mixing with Graham Hart, like as you say, New Zealand's richest man. Once oh, we didn't we didn't really like mix with him. We mixed with his like PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But still, babe. Yeah. No. <laughs> like I remember, we were like outside his. Because we we didn't even know that we were like dancing at his place, um, <laughs> because we just got told to turn up right and perform, and then we were like standing outside his his front gate, and we're yeah. like, man, this is like a fancy ass gate, you know? Let's take a photo <laughs> in front of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we all stood in front, took a photo of it, and then we walked like halfway up the drive, and then like the groundsmen and stuff like that, they came down and they're like, oh, did you take a photo at the front? And they were like, yeah, and it was like, oh, you got to delete it. what it's like yeah man that's how fancy that's when you know like how fancy you are you know yeah (laughs) you've got people telling you to delete photos taking photos outside your gate (laughs) so how long ago was this oh man this is like probably 10 years ago now yeah so facebook time or uh this is probably (laughs) even before facebook time (laughs) <laughs> like so, like you wouldn't you wouldn't yeah that at that time you wouldn't like take photos and post them up to share to everyone yeah yeah you know it was just like taking photos for memories you know show your mates at school be like look at this exactly. shit. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so who who was the uh tech savvy genius that created a website um so like so in this dance, in the dance school, we had like this committee yeah. and everyone just had like got allocated things to do. Mm-hmm. So it was like the person who knew how to do the like the most, the, the person who was the most tech savvy got the website. This is so good. Like, was there anything that was sort of bottling this for you guys or it was just enough people with the same drive that just took you off? Yep. That's that's all it was, man. Is like it's it was just the vision, yeah, hard and, out, and the purpose, and 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 that's where purpose and vision has. That's where I've learned it from. So, their the purpose for them was growth, hmm. you know, growth, and 
I think it was like maximum growth. It was, it was, it was something else, but I can clearly remember it was growth and whatever you do, any endeavor we go forward with, we just got to come out and grow, Mm. you know, and that's all it was. Like, if you don't know, then just figure it out and do it. This is so cool. This is kind of like, what was there any sort of dissenting voices around? Like, has oh, anyone, yeah, like everyone's parents. <laughs> They're just like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, like you can't do this. I need to put I need to put you in touch with like the um with Akshita and Parish. Yeah. These guys are like the the key drivers in the whole Indians like movement, you know, and how they started this Bollywood dance school. Because pretty much everything you see here, everything that I am. A hundred percent, I would not be without them. <laughs> this is so cool. Uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, you know, like I said, surely there was like somebody saying, nah, this is dumb. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> You're wasting your time. But So many people. So many okay, people. Okay, so there was that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. All the parents were always like, oh, are you going to do another show <laughs> again? You know, are we doing another one this year? Oh, are, you, are you sure you really? Because... Because these are like, uh, um, if I'm correct, they're like a hundred thousand dollar shows. Yeah, you know, and the way they raised funds was from having the dance school, and mm-hmm. you know, the the fees to the dance school go to pay for like the costumes and the venue hire, the decorations, everything. Hmm. And yeah, man, that's fantastic. That's so cool. I. I I love that like unbridled drive from within and even like the fact that all the parents being like, shouldn't you be doing something else? Like, no, no, this is great. And like how far that went and like what a epic lesson. They like, I've never had a better experience of seeing the, the process, you know, from, from having the vision or the goal mm. to the, the process we have, maximum dedication mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. like final output where it's just like we have grown so much yeah you know yeah. like the, the the goal was or the purpose was okay let's put on this show mm-hmm. the process was let's do it um oh the, the process was let's meet twice a week monday uh, wednesday nights and saturday night uh sunday nights plus the dance school was running as well mm. and then you have like your your dance school and your production team and they're all working on putting this thing on and the end result is this massive show for one night only <laughs> everything everything you work for two years one two years you do all this work for two years for one night wow that's, and then that's, the next that's day a grand final like, right there <laughs> yeah you know but but and that's where I've also learned man is that as good as that that one night was, there were so many memories and so many learnings made through that two years. You know, just like I don't know, it was like one of the best times of my life. Yeah, that um, you're speaking about your your parents or how you thought parents of Hindu people just want that security. Like that is one of the amazing things about committing to something, is that you take away a decision. Um, that hey on a Wednesday and a Sunday night I'm there 
and I'm doing it. What am I doing it for? Oh, yeah, growth. We're going to put it on the show. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. 100%, man. Then you get to be present each each Wednesday and Sunday night, no distraction, like you say, fully focused, doing what you're doing, and then you've you've now got that like tool in your back pocket that, hey, um, if I commit to something, if I do the thing, the process, then that ending is going to be awesome. That's going to be really fun. But I'm going to learn so much, develop so much, grow so much over this process of whatever time period it is. It's, it's really that's really really cool. And you know, like <laughs> what's so so interesting about that is that like even though I've I've learned that and I've been a part of it, like like life is so interesting in the way that it just like picks you up and then drops you right back down to zero and tells you like hey man like ready to just be ready to just like learn this all again yeah because like that's what's been happening with me in this podcast man is just like like so so i i practice as like an architectural designer yeah like that's like my nine to like nine to five but it's not nine to five it's like nine to nine to like forever you know <laughs> get the project that's done like, exactly pretty much man and then the the podcast is on the on the side but like i'm trying to integrate everything into one and then and then i've just like one of the biggest learnings i've had is that that having that dedication you know and i've been in a space where I've had to dedicate a lot of time and energy into doing the architecture because that's what I want to be really good at. Mm. But I also want to be really good at like the podcasting and creating this space and having positive conversations because that like going back to what we were talking about before with the making positivity louder, this is how I'm marrying like both these things up where I'm having, where I'm creating positive spaces Mm. and then having positive conversations. And that then is me and who I am and yeah man like the last probably month my learning has just been like exactly what we're talking about we're just starting at the the bottom and it's like okay am I now ready to like be dedicated to this and to like just start and like like I'm I'm doing these like daily posts and things Mm. like that but I know that I could be so much more you know, and I don't know if that's like something I'm I'm putting on myself or what, but it's just like, man, like I don't feel like I'm doing enough just yet. So let's just bring in some discipline. And yeah, man, that's that's where I'm at. Like, so hard out. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really funny when you see reflected back your work, um, or you get that piece of feedback. Like I I know um, through sharing your stuff that I've then seen my audience tune into your stuff and i'm like yeah good like i've kind of i love the the term sharing the wealth um of course man 100 percent. yeah and i'm like so stoked when i see the people that i can have an influence of pick up on things that are influencing me i'm like yeah that's that's awesome and that's like when i hear good music um like me and my mates on on facebook messenger we just always are flicking music into our into our chat and then same on um, Instagram, I love flicking, you know, from Spotify, just pressing the share button, chucking it up, like, this sounds good, this podcast's good, I'm listening to this, like, see if see if it vibes with you or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, that that's it's awesome to see. And, like, it when, when growing up, like, at eight years old, I went to a New Zealand Juniors um, swimming event, 
and I've got like a third place ribbon somewhere what this laptop's sitting on I'm, I'm, um, I had to <laughs> at high school I made a trophy cabinet to, to put ribbon, <laughs> <laughs> ribbons and medals in from bloody swimming they, they hand them out yeah. like lollies but um, yeah I found like a third place ribbon from when I was 8 years old I was like far out and I wonder if I was so like obsessed with this with this thing and I was only 8 years old and I had, had like I read the Winner's Bible when I was about like 10 and I had made one. So I had like this manila folder with this photo of Michael Klim on the front. Um, yeah. Who's, who's like an Australian swimmer, like no hair on his body and just like standing in the pool with the, the lane rope on his head. It's a powerful image and like wrote down like what I wanted to do, like going to the Olympics. And then I was playing soccer, f- well, football and like, yeah. you know, I just was like, yeah, I want to go and play for Manchester United. I want to be like... David Beckham, I was always practicing curling the ball into the gold, love taking corners and free kicks and stuff like that, just to be like David Beckham. I'd do my hair like David Beckham. Shaved my head one time like David Beckham. My mum was horrified. <laughs> um, and then I was like, also wanted to be an optometrist from 12. So again, it was like, right, what do I do? Like, do science, do English. Um, then just do science and maths in, in the last year of school, get to uni, do these courses. And then, like you say, life has a funny way of just like dropping you on your ass. And it was like the first yeah, two two tests I did at uni was like yeah fifty percent you're screwed yep. mate I'm like <laughs> oh what do I do now and like yep. yeah shit didn't go well that first year or well, even second six months were a lot better but the first six months it's you into your place eh <laughs> being a being in Auckland it was it was shocking I made some horrific decisions and like yeah I, I like got got shipped out of the hall I was in into, into another hall. My parents were overseas at the time. It was just like, you know, I was talking about like shame of things, like trying yeah. to have that conversation at Auckland Airport with my parents. I've just come out from overseas and be like, so bits happened over the last six months. It's not going so well. <laughs> just what did like, you do? Oh, it was, yeah, it was drunken uh, misunderstanding with, with uh, another lady and yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't very good. Misread the signals and and yeah, faced the consequences. Got got moved temporarily into another hall um, just to get out right. of that hall, yeah. and then yeah, and, into the other hall. And yeah, no, it was it was not good. Um, but uh, yeah, learnt learnt quite a bit out of that. And um, yeah, just like I say, it drops you on your ass. You you got to go for those process of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? You know, and and, exactly, and moving man. on and and like. Um, sort of addressing where where that need for you know, um, I guess it's like affirmation of of who you are as a person comes into that. You like, mm. um, it wasn't until I was sort of twenty five when I when I went and did some psychology and I was like, why why was I so overcompensating? And and yep. in junior high school, someone had teased me saying I was gay, and I think that was just like the the big overcompensation. All it was is that I played soccer. <laughs> didn't play rugby right yeah and yeah i think like a little bit of jealousy as well because i was i was good at this thing and then we'd play rugby league at lunchtime and i'd be good at that but i was a soccer boy and yeah you know i was good at water polo i was good at volleyball i was in the cricket team and and then i was smart as well and they yeah cut me down to size and so then i overcompensated and you know thought i was the man at uni and <laughs> wasn't <laughs> <laughs> see you mate you can't do that so yeah, yeah that, that that was like i say life sometimes drops you in your ass and say here's a lesson (laughs) and and so that's what i was going to say is like do you regret anything or would you change anything yeah it's the tough question eh? like it's it's the easiest question to ask anyone like would you change something Mm. especially 
when things do start to work out like the road's so bumpy and up and down yeah but along the way you've got value you've got hindsight you've you know you 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 get to achieve stuff eventually and yep. it's kind of like well how would the path look um exactly yeah so like cuz you probably wouldn't be who you are right now without <laughs> having gone through all that crap you know yeah and and it's also like so i had to go to otago and do a bachelor of science and like yeah that was another 2 years yeah it made my student loan gigantic but that now the excuse the pun the lens that i see optometry through <laughs> is yeah. is like shaped by studying some neuroscience studying some reproduction um looking at human body systems and just like seeing the eye as an extension of the brain seeing as the eye as a not not just this one organ that sees but it's a representation yeah. of all organs like it's a representation of the blood supply it's a reception uh representation of the nervous system uh, which i wrote about this week in a blog and like then seeing the person as a whole i think i wouldn't have that view of optometry i was telling someone today i find most optometrists are very sort of closed-minded and obligatory in what they do they're, they're there to prescribe mm. glasses whereas i see it like um when i went through uni we studied therapeutics as well like uh, it was hard but we we studied it and like learned about like drug interactions and things like that and that's how i right. kind of kind of see the profession and it's fun and like you say if i hadn't stuffed up that first six months of uni that wouldn't have been my journey <laughs> yeah man 100 yeah. percent. you would have been someone completely different and yeah man like this the same the same it's 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 so interesting that we're, we're talking about this because the same thing kind of happened for me right is like we're like when we we're doing all these performances and things like that right doing all these shows and things like that i was that that, that would like fill up my weekend right yeah so i'd never i never really experienced that like going out phase going to clubs and stuff like that then and, and i just didn't have the time or energy or attention to put towards that you know so my discussions with my friends and things like that at school would be completely different to like the discussions that i was having with the people that i was around yeah you know and and like you're saying like when you're young you do have those feelings of feeling like insecure and like oh you know i'm not part of like that group and mm -hmm. stuff like that or i don't get invited to the parties and things like that you know and and at that time that's like the, the most important things you know but like I think I was lucky enough, like being around these people where when you're like at those events and stuff like that, when you're, when you're dancing and having such a good time and you're around growth, that stuff didn't really matter. And so I was quickly able to turn away from that. Um, and then when I went to study, so I did my three years, um, my bachelor's in architecture and and I kind of thought my like trajectory or path was just going to be like do my bachelor's and then master's and then work. And then, you know, that's it. Mm, that's it. Um, yeah. And then our HOD who was, who looked over our department, he was leaving. So I studied at Unitech and then um, after my three years, he was leaving to go start a new school in AUT. And I was like, oh, like this guy's the man. Like I should probably go and start his program. It's all new and it's going to be the best one in the country, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
thing was that it was only going to start like um, it's going to start a year after the year after. Um, so it, it basically meant that I was going to need a gap year. <laughs> and then I was like, man, like, like, what do I do? You know? And then I was like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this university. So I might as well go get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had no clue what I was doing in architecture. I didn't know how to design or build or do anything, you know, and then ended up finding the place that I work at, you know, and, and like what we're talking about, I would never be who I was unless I made those decisions, you know, yeah. like I had to take that gap year to find the place where I now work, where I ended up working for like two years. Mm-hmm. And then went back to study and I still stayed at the same place. And it's the, I reckon the, one of the best places to work in the world, you know, <laughs> in terms of the buildings we create and things we do, like I couldn't imagine myself working anywhere else or doing anything else, mm-hmm. you know, and that only happened because I took that gap year. How cool. And, and like, um, when, when you're, you know, doing something that's so great and, you know, leads to something so awesome and at least all these opportunities, you know, like I say, that's the most important thing in the world at that time. And like, yep. yeah, I'm going to be a great person. And then it's kind of like, I think lots of people find their job and find their role. And I'm like, yeah, I've made it. Like now this is me 40 years. <laughs> whereas, yeah. I'm st- whereas I'm still going like, yeah, right. I've got to make it now. <laughs> still got to keep making it. And like, that's, that's where like, you know, what, what do I do on this Instagram thing? What do I do on this TikTok thing? Like, how, how does oh, it, how, man, 100%. How, how do you crack it? Like, how do you, how do you make people get people to listen to a podcast? Like, you know, do you, do you, you tell start? me, man, I'm, I'm struggling with the same <laughs> thing, you know, because like, like for me, I don't want to engage in social media. Yeah. You know? Like I know that I can get caught up in the amount of views, the, the numbers, the likes, the followers. And I know that all of that isn't real. Yeah, but I know that 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 like participating in that regularly is going to amplify my noise. Yeah, you know. So it's like, what do I what do I do, man? That's been my that is a hundred percent been my dilemma. Yeah. For like since the beginning. Yeah, it's, you it's, know, and what I'm one of life's dichotomies, right eh? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And for me, like I've just just recently been talking with sam from better than before Mm. um and he said the same thing he's like like if you want to lift the vibration of what you're doing then you got to participate you know and And shit he's he's participating eh? like um how the hell we got that tiktok channel like absolutely humming but like now he's at the stage and that's that's like the beautiful thing about tiktok is once you get to that live level then Geez, you can just like be on live, and it, it appears their algorithm seems to deal in likes. Nothing doesn't matter who's yeah. viewed it or what, but if you're getting likes, then you're getting freaking elevated big time. And if you're on a live, then you're just getting liked all the time, and your likes going do 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 do. <laughs> yeah, man. But that that guy's that guy hustles so much, man. Like I've just been on a couple of calls with him, and he's just and just messaging him and stuff like that. He's just like on the bullet you know always just like okay have you done this have you done this or asking me questions like oh how do i do this how do i do this how do i do this because there's a couple of things he wants to do and he's asking and i'm just like man this guy's like this is how i and and the roadmaps are all there you know 
It's yeah. just like we just gotta like do it. And so that's what that's what I've just trying to get my head around and 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 understand. I think for me, like why I'm doing what I'm doing. Hmm. You know, and and knowing that I'm what I want to do, I'm not doing to f- to focus my attention on getting the numbers. Hmm. You know, I need to try and remove myself for so for like what I've been doing is I do my posts and then I don't look at my phone. I've been trying not to look at my phone, but you still fall into the trap until the next day. Hmm. You know, hmm. and that's like so if I don't look at it, my attention's not there, then then my energy and attention is diverted somewhere else. And so for like the last two weeks, I've just been like a hundred percent into my architectural work, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's only now that I've like taken a little bit of a break and had a bit of time to think and just being like, okay, so now we're going to create some stuff and we're going to post it, but let's not get attached to all the the numbers and things like that. Let's get attached to the idea of lifting the vibration. Instagram has, I had, has made this easier for you, man. And it, you know, it may even tap into their logarithm because you use, you'd be using a new tool, and they've allowed you to post from your laptop. So you could even potentially remove the app from your phone, have the post in your man. laptop, shoot it from that new feature, which yep. they they tend to somehow promote stuff when you use their new their new things, like right. I remember um, Jack Jensen from Misfits told me about reels, and I was like, "Oh, yeah." He's like, "We should we should make a reel of this podcast and put it up before we talk as a teaser." And I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay." So I like clipped three th- awesome things that he said in our chat and put it in. There. I think it's got like fourteen k views, and I was like, "Well, a bit like you said, for one, these views aren't real." Like. My my following hasn't gone up 14k, but um, <laughs> which would be great if it did. But um, I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. That like it promotes the new tools, and I'd be interested to see if like trying that if you are posting from the computer, if that's going to like make the reach on your on your photo all of a sudden be way larger than it is. Hundred percent, man, and and that's what I've been like struggling with is because I was like, okay, let me put my daily posts out you know and that's like regular stuff i'm putting up and i'm doing it like you're saying to share the wealth you know share like my learning could be your learning and or you might reflect on it and it's gonna just pass out and what i'm doing is i'm just lifting the vibration cool and then like like i think it's only human (laughs) to like want and (laughs) to like want to see the the result of what you're doing you know yeah and and yeah man it's it can get disheartening when you focus on those things and so yeah now i'm now i'm and 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 in some way it's also been a good like reflection reflection like a reflecting point as well um because i was just like looking at some of the people i follow and they Mm -hmm. just like put up pictures of themselves and I was like, what are they doing? You know, like, why are they putting the photo and you flick and it's just like the same photo, just doing a different post. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, I know what this is. This is like the algorithm. Like they, they, someone must be doing this for the algorithm. And I was like, I don't want to take photos of myself, you know? And so I was like, like what we're talking about with like reels and posting from the computer and stuff. And so I was like, okay, well, what I can do is 
I need to be more disciplined in what I'm doing. So I'm going to record more podcasts and I'm just going to reflect on the posts that I've already done, you know? And yeah. so those are my like learnings and let me just talk a little bit more about them. Then I'm making content, you know, and from those I'll snip them up and chuck those online. And if I create little reels of them, cool, you know? And so that's, that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. Let me know how you get on. <laughs> yeah, man, a hundred percent. We'll see how it goes. It's like, like I feel, I feel a lot more comfortable being like in the setup here, you know, yeah. where we're talking with each other and the mics and everything. But like, I tried like holding the the phone up and recording to it, and you got like the one minute, and you're trying to say everything, and like you just say the whole thing, and you get to like the last few seconds, and you say something wrong. We pronounce something wrong and you're just like, oh, man, I, I got to redo this again now. And you sit there, you do all these takes and then you're like, okay, sweet. And, and then you just post it up. And for like the last, for the next like 24 to 48 hours, I was just sitting there with so much doubt and insecurity. Yeah. Like, you know, what are people going to think? Why am I even, who am I to post this? Why should I post this? Um, what about the way that I look? You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and I was so far removed from my purpose and what I'm about that it just like, it put me off doing everything, you know? And it's just like, what's the point? Why am I participating in this? I don't want to do this, you know? Yeah, and, it's that, that balance yeah. of authenticity, eh? Like, you know. 100%, well, I'm, man. I'm, I'm trying to be be authentic in what I'm doing, but I'm also, like, like I said, trying to reach people so that I can raise the vibration and so like yeah the, the dichotomy of it and um i was listening to one of your podcasts uh who's who is it that works for my fm he's been on a randy f- randy yeah and he was yeah. saying about them recording some clips all half a day or something i was just like that's that's commitment to some content creation 100 <laughs> percent, man and yeah just like i've so like man i feel like our phones like listen to us or they hey, somehow dude, connect to our brainwaves and what we're thinking. Like my phone knows what I'm thinking because when I scroll like my TikTok, it like came up with like what a, what a content creator like does. Like, this oh. is how I plan my stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit scary because I was just thinking about that. How does, how is this stuff happening? You know? Yeah. This is, this is the people on, um, Again, how how the videos get elevated on TikTok, I'll never know. But um, lots of people talking about these new tools on Instagram and how to optimize them and what this one we're talking about, like how much content creation. The one guy was talking about like um, a post to your carousel, like every day, a reel three times a week, a video once a week, and like so many stories a day. I was just like, gee, burrs. Nobody gets yep. time for that. Like, hundred <laughs> percent. I got a job to do, man. I had to build this building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Am I gonna? Am I gonna sit there and 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 so that's where I think I kind of have to remind myself and bring it back to like, what do I want from life? What's gonna make me happy? And what am I gonna be okay with doing? And as long as I remind myself of that, then that's my truth. You know, I gotta be okay with that. Yeah. And that's kind of the stage where I'm at, and I'm f- I'm figuring that out. I know. I think I think um, what I love hearing from Joe Rogan, you know, like million downloads like in the first hour, is yeah. like, I what does he say? I just started this to have fun with my mates, 
smoke yeah. lots of weed and talk shit on the internet and then we haven't really changed that <laughs> i just like talking to people and so i continue to talk to people and just keep doing that and you know it's like you your um sort of discerning side of your brain goes yeah but he was an early adopter and he started an early you know he got yeah. the wave he was yeah. already famous before it started so he you know already had a big audience it's funny because i was just thinking all of this yeah. in my head, man. <laughs> <laughs> i know yeah, gotta be honest man <laughs> yeah it's so it's so good how like the brain works i never like, even even when yeah. um you're talking about as perfect as we want to be a eh? like yeah. we're, we're human and that's our humanness man yeah and it, is, it definitely comes from like we're talking about with the bollywood dancing like your parents being like, yeah, well, what should you do? Is it you? You start having that that thought in your head. Um, oh, it might have even been Bloom and Sam Harris talking about meditation and like your thought thoughts aren't being your own. He like believes that there's no free will and and whatever and just like things happen and like you're a creation of your surroundings. Like <laughs> it, it's funny. Uh, do do you uh, engage in any meditation? Is is that anything of Hinduism or is it just part of um, prayer or with Hinduism? Um, meditation, that's like an interesting one. I'm still kind of learning about like proper meditation. Like there's just like a a proper, proper way where you got to kind of get yourself into a state to meditate. Yeah. Um, but like on a high level, like for me, I also think meditation is like being in a state of flow. Mm. Um, like going going for a walk can also be quite meditative, you know, and it's just like knowing knowing that you've got this inner voice and how to deal yeah. with it and yeah. getting these ideas out and these thoughts out and being okay with the thoughts that are in there. I think that's kind of like meditation. I tried I've tried sitting down and breathing. Yep. You know, I'm bringing my I feel like my mind's pretty I've, my mind's pretty much like pretty tuned to the moment that I'm in, you know, and I can recognize if something's causing me a lot of stress, um, then I know that like I have to take some time to just recognize what it is and what's causing it. Um, but no, I haven't actually like properly educated myself around meditation and how to do it properly. Mm. Um, I think that's something that I'll, I want to try and figure out. And that's something that we get taught in, or uh, encouraged to do as part of our youth classes, like because I still go to these classes now, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, we get told every week that we should do it. <laughs> um, so, how do you fit into the class now? Um, so now it's like with a, um, like our class. Our class now is on like Tuesday nights. It's run by an organization called the Chimea Mission, mm-hmm. um, and <clears throat> it's basically with. My, the same group of friends that like I did the podcast with and that I've grown up doing the Bollywood dancing and so pretty much my family and yeah every Tuesday we read these texts and learn about what they're saying and how we can apply it to our real real world like life yeah beautiful and and that's been something that I've been working on for myself is making sure that I am disciplined and making sure I don't have anything on on Tuesday nights because that's where I go and where I learn. So making that, that making spirituality more of a priority in my life. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so is it thought of like a church or uh, a belonging? Like 
Um, so like in the Hindu culture, like you don't necessarily go to church, but you go to a temple to pray. Mm-hmm. And because the, the gods are just like all the gods and the, the statues and idols are just representations of like ideas and the holy, like high level, like spirits and gods, you know, mm-hmm. like we don't, yeah. And like you go to the, the temple on like specific days, certain days, if you're celebrating or observing a special occasion. um, But in terms of praying that you can pray like any time of the day. Um, yeah. You don't, you don't really go to church. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause, cause even at school, like all the kids would be like, Oh yeah, I went to church in the weekend. <laughs> like well, we just stayed at home. <laughs> you know? Um. So as, as a community, what what's your interaction? Is it, like do you associate as a congregation or as a religious group or just it's just family um like say stay at home (laughs) or no we do we do have like a community so so yeah we we do have a community and that community is based off like our caste Mm -hmm. like so the the specific caste that we belong to and that's made up of like a group of families Mm mm-hmm and so that kind of goes by like your your surnames. Like you'll have specific groups based on like what they did back in the day, mm-hmm. and they will belong to these communities, and they will have different like they will yeah they will have different beliefs and things like that. Variations within Hinduism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe in certain things, observe certain things, so. Yeah, we still like growing up. We still met up with different kids within our own casting community, mm-hmm. and then going to like Sunday school where we learn Gujarati. That's where I met other Gujarati kids, but of different castes. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and they're all from different areas around Auckland. Yeah, and that's how I've kind of expanded my like friends group. You know, oh, cool, oh, cool. So, what did your um, family or, or caste do in India and? and- what was the reason for immigration? So in India, this is an interesting question because um, it's this this year, 2021, is 100 years since my family's been in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, so my great-grandfather came from India um, in 1921. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what he did in India. All I know is that he hopped on a plane, came to New Zealand, and was selling fruits down in Wellington. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> went back home, picked my granddad up. He was probably about six years old or something. Brought him to New Zealand. And they just moved up to Auckland, started a business. And then my grandfather, when he grew up, started a circular business. Like circular distribution of like pretty much junk mail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And pretty much worked his business up to being second highest distributor in New Zealand after New Zealand Post. Wow. Um, and then my mum, she was born here as well. Went to like local schools that we all went to. 
Um, and then I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now you're here. <laughs> um, bro, you, when we're talking on Instagram, you said that you design place into spaces. Like, yeah, man. What, design. I I hit. What What does the client want these days? Uh, it's, it's interesting. It depends really on like the, um, like what they believe in the ethos mm-hmm. and budget as well. Like <laughs> everything, everything we do, like our purpose when we design spaces is to design beautiful human spaces. So it doesn't matter what we are doing, what comes out of our office, it has to be beautiful, you know, because if something's truly beautiful, then it's truly sustainable. Mm-hmm. And if people, if you design something beautiful, then someone's going to look after it. You know, you only look after things that matter and care to you, you know? And so like when the clients come to us, some of them are just like, I want this type of building. And some come to us and they're like, design me something, you know? Mm. And you're like, what are you, what are you about? What do you want the space to be about? And you get some clients who are who are like, I want this space to be. Um, I want this space to. Like one of the ones that I'm working on, it's all about the energy in the space. Beauty. So we want where the under two kids are, where the babies are. We want the energy to be quite low level. Um, you know, we want it to be quiet, a space where we can keep everything quite grounded. You know and low level activity and then as we move out we want the energy to grow and increase you know as when we move out into the playgrounds we got high level energy high activity you know it's loud and exciting and we're learning you know and to try and change trying to take that and create it into a concept that's what we do you know and we we create the building in a way where that enables that to happen Nice. Where did, where did this eye for beauty begin? Like, how did how did you um, go from school to architecture, Unitech, and yeah, that came from a lot of that has come from my from my boss and everything like his design ethos and what he believes in. Like, he he kind of has been my mentor in terms of helping to shape my or mold my way of thinking or my design philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this one one video he we always relate back to, and it's kind of like the theory of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I've forgotten the guy's name, but what he talks about is like how beauty has evolved with us through evolution, um, and and like he starts at the very beginning. This was a guy who was like a um, it's a TED talk done by a guy, a professor who was from the US, but he was teaching down in uh, Canterbury University. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and he gave a TED talk. Um, I my phone here. We can find out. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and he talked about like the cavemen um, and the, the, the stones and the, the, like, the tools they used to shape in this like teardrop shape. And he's like, for centuries, that teardrop shape has been beautiful and that's why it's like it's survived and lived on and it's now in our museums you know and when we look at people's necklaces 
that you see the same teardrop when you see peacocks, you know, like there, why is it that the, the male peacock is so beautiful, you know, and it's all goes into like reasons for mating and things like that. He's like, what is the most beautiful landscape? And, and so that's why I'm like this idea of beauty and creating beautiful things is like a really key design, like idea and philosophy in what we do. It's interesting. Um, <clears throat> what's come up on Google even is there's a makeup sponge for like putting in a foundation, I think it is. And it's yep. even shaped like a teardrop. <laughs> yeah, like, man. Creating it's just beauty. aesthetically pleasing to us, you know, when we see like the the teardrop shape. Yeah. Teardrop story of a woman. Oh, there's lots of books. Architecture. Ah, even got the roof of the Taj Mahal. That, yeah, that, man. That's, that sponge is called a beauty blender. <laughs> um, there's a there's a car and like the fenders and things in that shape. Yeah, it's like I said, jewelry, teardrop jewelry. <laughs> I just had a thought. Rappers with their tattoo. <laughs> 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 Teardrops around that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so when you got into architectural design, what what was your vision of of how you thought that would go as a career? When I got into it, um, I don't know. I don't think I actually. I think it's only evolved as a like evolved over this five years. The more mm -hmm. I've learned about myself, the more this understanding of architecture and what I want to do in it has come about. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I knew I always wanted to be an architect. Um, but I don't think I was as switched on as I am now when I was at uni, mm -hmm. like at uni, I was still trying to understand the abstract and what design was, how to speak and like create in the design language. And, and I think it was only after I started working where I was trained to think like a designer. Mm -hmm. in the the way that you the way you think about things in the world your ideas along with everything that i've learned in the through the bollywood school and what i've been doing with the podcast and all the video stuff was bringing everything into one and refining like who do i really want to be as an architect and why am i even doing this mm -hmm. and i still ask this like the last couple of weeks sitting here in my desk working these hours, I'm just like, why, like, why, why is the point of all of this? <laughs> you know, like, man, like I could be, I don't know, doing something else that's far less stressful and be all good, you know, but like, is that gonna, is that exciting? Is that gonna, am I, that's only going to be exciting for me for a very little, like for a moment of time and then I'm going to be like, ah, oh, I want to, I want to be back doing that, you know? So, so I know that, but it's like, yeah, what is my, my purpose and why I'm doing it? That's been, that's been, um, like I've only learned that through this, this time. And like I said before, what it's coming, what I'm learning that it, it's about is creating positive spaces. Mm. You know, if we create, if we create positive spaces, then positive spaces create us. Yeah. 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 It's, it's funny. We we're talking about journeys in life. Um, like uh, my mom took me to Lin Lai Art Gallery when I was like 12. 
thought yep. it was the most bizarre thing in the world, but like it was, it was also so out there and, and interesting and like, what's all that about? And then yep. even like the way you've placed these two bulbs behind you at different heights, it's just like, that's cool. And when I was at O'Rourke in Auckland, I met this guy, Angus Muir, and he was the curator for Silo Park for a while there. And he right. does he does installations of like uh, columns of mirrors or columns of light and, and just interaction of color and light and reflection. And so it's like very much sort of like visual and optometry related. So that's, I think, a vibe with it. But yeah, I, I love installation and public space. How, how, you can, how you can make, you know, just like a public park just pop and like when yep. the, especially with light, um, when the lights go off, you can create this whole nother world. Um, I think it's like the Walk of Lights or something that was on at Blackburn and, and Hawke's Bay recently. And there used to be yep. something on in, in um, the park there in Ponsonby. Just, I, went, I went there when I lived, lived in Auckland and just how, yeah, you can turn, when it gets dark, you can yep. create space to be a whole nother world is, is yeah, super man. cool. Yeah. We, had a, we had a project there at uni. Um, so in our second year, it was and the like the festival that we we're a part of it was called Festa, mm-hmm. something festival of some festival of light down in Christchurch. Yeah, and we had to pretty much it was a it was like this collab project between ourselves and Auckland Do you remember University. Remember what year that was? Twenty fifteen. So I think we finished twenty fifteen. No. Because I did go to a 20... light festival in 2015 in Christchurch in Hackley Park. It was fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I, wonder, uh, I think it might have been that. the year before, 2014. Yeah. Cool. Because I think 20, yeah, 2013 I started uni, 2015 was this project. And yeah. it was pretty much in the main like city centre. Yeah. Like, um, so where we had like our installations were where the demolished buildings had been removed. Right. No, so this so was we're different. standing in like cleared like building lots. Yeah. And yeah, man, we pretty much had to design this massive installation. So our installation was um, called Influx. And it was like, we imagine if you had like a bicycle here and it's tied up to like this, we had like this like web thing made out of like pipe, PVC pipes all joined on coordinates. Okay. And we threaded it like in and out and then down to like another set of bikes that were like, so we had like kind of like an XY grid. And then, and then we like offset all these things. And so it was kind of like a little bit of a wave. And like, as you move this, it moves the pipe and everything like up. So it's all kind of like undulating. Fantastic. Um, and the, the cool thing about that was we had to get everything from Auckland down <laughs> to Christchurch and there's no way we could take everything on a plane. So like, um, we teamed up with another group who was driving their stuff down and I was the only one in the group who could drive manual because the van was a manual. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, this is like extremely uncomfortable. Like I've never done this, like never driven the length of the country, never oh, dri- never oh, really oh. driven a van. Hey, Invercargill was a long way from Christchurch. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, at the time for me, that was like, 
the, the, the country, country, you know, it was like, <laughs> I'm going to get on, I'm taking like this van. So we had this van that was filled up to the brim. We only had the, couldn't even see out the rear view Good. because everything was filled up in the back. <laughs> and we had an extended trailer filled to like, so you had the trailer, but then it's like extended back and front. Oh gosh. And I've never driven with a trailer in my life. <laughs> I tried reversing and I was like, yeah, I'm never doing that again. We're only driving forward. <laughs> and we couldn't even, I couldn't see out the other side. So I only had this like my wing mirror on my right hand side to look back at every time. Oh, and gosh. the group that we had, had like these massive panels, which were stacked up. Yeah. And we had to like glad wrap it all like with like you know big commercial glad wrap yeah yeah and, yeah and every time we'd drive we wouldn't account for like the wind like as we were driving so you just hear like all this flapping <laughs> and yeah man we got Did somebody accompany you sorry someone accompanied you i hope yeah it was, it was me from my group and another girl from the other group <laughs> because you know like the two teams had to get their stuff down oh wow Oh, wow. And then we'd get it back up as well. Yeah. So, but, but that was like such a cool experience because I've, I would have never done anything like that. Yeah. You know? And then, and then how the construction go? Like, you'd obviously already built it in Auckland. Then getting down there was, did it go smoothly or? <laughs> uh, it was, so we only built like maybe a fifth of the model up here. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, we just tested that. Oh, yeah, this thing's going to work. And we kind of understand how it's going to work. And then when we got down there and did the, like, everything pretty much went pretty seamlessly right until the, like, the very end where <clears throat> I think we miscalculated the amount of crimps and things we needed and some screws and fasteners <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. And so we we're running off to, like, the trade store to get more equipment. And then what we didn't account for was, like, the, the axles we had created we hadn't accounted for the like the weight of the full structure that was suspended in the air. Oh, and yeah. so like our our axles were starting to like bend out, which meant that we couldn't like move. So and that which because people were cycling, that was like trying we we're trying to like move our that would move our axles, which would then make our whole thing move. But because that stopped, then like all these bicycles became like a waste of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so we just got people to like move it like without doing the cycling. And so it still worked and people were still like looking at it and interacting with it, which was cool. Um, but yeah, man, like stuff's always going to go wrong and you just got to learn how to adapt. And we all still had a good time. That was, that is still one of the coolest things I've ever designed or been a part of, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting you say about the like design process and then the functionality of it and the execution of it. How like when it comes to structure, how how do you balance the engineering and, and the construction side of things? Like my uncle's a, a draftsman and he jokes that he's he's the in between between engineering and, and architecture. Like um yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it also brings a little bit of construction mindset to it too. Like <laughs> how does um, that how does that interaction run? <laughs> yeah. It's like like you have the you have the design and what you've got. Yeah. And as an architect, you still got to make sure you end up at that. Like you don't lose that concept, you know? 
Yeah. And so if you've designed something to have only 300 mil, we'll <laughs> try and get 300, whatever like structure you can fit in 300 mil is that's what we're going to try, you know? And then if something has, if you have to have a member that's sized bigger than what you've allowed for, then that's where that problem solving comes in. Yeah. And you just got to rework a solution that's going to satisfy the the engineer and <clears throat> get you the the result you want. Like I still, I've had conversations where like, oh, no, nah, can like we can't, they were going to put like a, a structural membrane, which is like turnables over what we've allowed for, you know? And it's like, nah, we've got to use another material. Can we use something else, you know? And that's where, yeah, you got to have those conversations. Hard out. It it's kind of the I think that's what the appeal of architecture is, is the ultimate like blend of both hemispheres, eh? It's like the creativity with the problem solving. Um hundred percent, man. And with with this like much really broad understanding of, of systems, like <laughs> such a great yeah. career. Like you gotta you gotta understand the type of people that are using the building. Mm-hmm. But then, like what I'm, what I'm still learning about, right, is like all the plumbing and drainage and how all <laughs> that works. I'm learning about all the mechanical systems and how all of that works. I'm learning about the electrical, the fire, the structural, yeah. like this, like it's all encompassing. And and like going back to like what I was saying before, you know, I was like, oh man, I could, I think I could do like. I could be a structural engineer or a fire engineer. That's pretty good. I just got to focus on the fire, you know? <laughs> and then I was, and then I was reflecting in the other day and I was like, man, if I did that, then I'd probably want to be in control of the design. You know, I'd be like, Oh, why don't you change this in your plan? You know, and I, <laughs> yeah, that's why I could probably never do that. You know, like I, I think I have to be the, the architect of the, the building, you know, where I, I can control the, the, the design and what I want to do. And yeah. Yeah, and how much is the sort of smart and also eco um, version of of construction coming in, like future proofing, all, all those sorts of things? Like, you know, how many yeah, sockets so, have you got to put into your design these days? <laughs> yeah, man. Like we we try because sustainability is like a core part of our business and what we're about and how we design our buildings. You know, if there's a way where you can design something to minimize the amount of waste, then that's a no-brainer. You got to do it, you know. Mm. Um, and we're starting to have conversations about end of life and how long we're designing and are we designing with the right products? You know, if there's something that's a lot more sustainable, then we should put it in. Um, and even like when you design something, if you can design it to be eco-friendly or sustainable, then try and get try and drive that in as like a core value to the to the project and and it's about coaching the client to understand or share the same value you know mm-hmm. like we get we get clients who are like yeah i want this building to be 100 percent sustainable and you can achieve that if you've got the right clients who have that mindset you know but where <clears throat> cost kind of comes into it that's that's a pretty big factor you know mm-hmm. it's like are you gonna are you gonna pay for something that you want or do you have to settle for next best yeah yeah that's interesting you know? i was having that discussion today about um value and cost and and compromise and and um 
especially when it comes to lenses and lens design, uh, yep. there's, there is definitely a cost value um, compromise trade-off. Like, and I was sort of saying that for someone that has no idea, this is their first time being introduced to the concept of a high-performing lens, which is a progressive lens that allows them to see distance to near, they sort of have no idea of what's possible, what even what is is quite good and and so you need to create this journey and education yep. around okay so here's where the value comes in and here's where the price can be cut and here's the framework of of cost that you're going to be dealing with to, to do that because um it, <laughs> you, when you've got no idea of, of value you've and you all you're going off is some two dollar shop ready readers um, yeah. Over over a thousand dollars is a big gulp just for the lenses. <laughs> yeah, man, hundred <laughs> percent. And then you've got to put the the frame in that, and and, and again the same with the frame. It, it's without having knowledge of uh, you know connecting with the design process, connecting with the manufacturing, connecting with the finer details of something. What is the difference between a ninety nine dollar frame and a seven hundred dollar frame? Um, and turns out it's a lot, and and even the sustainability the supply chain of of all of those things you know is it yep. luxottica built on mass scale in italy or is it some niche french brand that's basically handmade the acetates handmade their frames you know put the best structure in there keeping the design you know yep. and, and that's the difference <laughs> and, and, and unless then, you unless you have you, that conversation they don't know yep. it's just a pair of glasses and then, and then you also got to factor in the the ran, like the the phone call you've had with like your mate who's had a past experience with something, and then, and then that then you know, um, projects your idea onto your onto your view, and then you're like, yeah, nah, I can't do that because oh, like yeah. of what he's done, you know, and it's like, man, you haven't <laughs> even had this experience yet. <laughs> I have that conversation. Progressive lenses is, is that conversation every single day. Oh, yep. my mum had those and she hated them. Yeah. Like, there you go. I, my response doesn't mean you're gonna hate them if yeah. you've never Are you your mum? You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um on, on the flip side, it's the same conversation I often have around smoking, eh? It's, um my sort of gym is, is why do you smoke? And and it's confronting and I have been over the this topic before that when you ask why to somebody they get defensive around it. But um it's also in system interrupting that question, especially around smoking. Um, and often people will say it's like because oh, I started when I'm 14, and you just kind of go, "Are you still 14? You know, why? Yeah. Why, why do you yeah. do it now?" It's a good and question. It's, yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah. So I think in that circumstance, the question "why" works quite well because you've got to think about the answer. But um, yeah, there's also the risk that you get the heckles up. So yeah, you got you got to pick your crowd, I guess. <laughs> yeah, man, hundred percent. You don't want to step on anyone's toes. Yeah, yeah, and like for. You know, every smoker knows that it's no good for them. Um, sometimes with the eye, we have the advantage of showing them that their retina's not so good, but um, usually they might be too late. Uh, trying to, but isn't yeah. isn't isn't that with like everything though? Like what yeah. we were talking about with like social media before. You know, yeah. like we we <laughs> we know that it's not good for us, and we know that it's not real, and we know that it, we're investing our happiness into it, but. Yeah, it's all good. We'll we'll get the dopamine hurt. We'll play into it. We'll take it all on and suffer the consequences. You know. Yeah, uh, it, hard out. It's like what is, what is your addiction? You know. Yep. How 100%. how addictive are you 
or do you have distributed addiction? <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah, man. Like, um, that's part of I've why been, I don't don't watch series I, on TV because I will like need to know. I need to keep watching it, and it's like, I don't have the time for that. So I don't allocate my. I I abstain from from um, Netflix series. <laughs> oh yeah, but do you watch Netflix? No, no, I I, I abstain from it. <laughs> oh wow, the man. I I like I. I also had like a, a good bad experience watching um, Suits. Uh, I watched it quite oh, yeah. quite quickly, and I got to sort of season three or four, where his relationship was just purely breaking down. It was getting so toxic, and I felt so bad for all characters involved. I was like, I can't watch this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm like scared that I'm going to get really emotionally invested in in characters and and like feel bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've I got like a love hate relationship with suits like you know it's like really good and then and then it kind of tails tailed off and then I just like lost interest in it and yeah. it was just like okay well you know he ends up going to prison and stuff like that and oh wow I didn't even get like, that far <laughs> yeah yeah he goes to to prison and apparently I think he leaves and stuff like that and then after a while it's just like oh and uh, this is like not what it started out like you know i mean he could remember everything and that's what it was all about you know and yeah yeah but and it was about his, yeah. his people skills and interaction and just yeah his charm like you know charming of clients and, and getting it over the line yeah it, yeah it, it turned pretty dramatic <laughs> so, so what, what do you do in, in that space of where you could be watching something yeah um i'm a big consumer of of podcasts um oh, yep. and so do you just sit there and listen or do you do something else while you're listening do do other stuff so yeah. yeah my my morning involves getting up and so i originally i was i was doing my breathing in bed and then i started finding that i was getting into bed you fall asleep no i was i was having trouble falling asleep at night time because i begin oh, to right. associate my breath work with being awake and so i was like oh that's oh, that's right. You shouldn't do other things apart from sleeping just in your bed. So, um, yeah. I, I've started shift getting up now, and, and I've been falling asleep much better. Um, so cool. yeah, I do do that with um, just the Wim Hof playlist from Spotify, and then I do yep. um, some breathing. Um, that's sort of uh, one breath in, one breath out, one breath in, one breath out, and a five second hold, just continuous. And and I'll lose lose that, and then you can come back to the breath. So it's slightly meditative. Um, mm. Then it's like showering and breakfast, and that's when I flick on podcasts, go to work. Um, occasionally in the lunch hour, I'll listen to podcasts. I might read, right? Might yep. do Sudoku, <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, go to the gym, come home and and make food, and again have have podcasts on because I'm I'm here by myself, so that's where right. I, yeah I fill space. Also driving up to pick up my daughter. Um, if I drive to Hawks Bay to see my girlfriend, I'll listen to podcasts often, and then other times listen to music. So, yeah, there's that. Um, weekends is basically spent with my daughter, like making the most yep. of that time. And yeah, if and then I, I like being with, with people. So, yeah, Sick. yeah, um, yeah, especially like dinner and talk to my girlfriend on the phone or whatever, and yep. go to sleep. It's that so. it's that energy allocation and prioritizing a day. Yeah, and so yeah. We're, then when I fall down, when it comes to the social media side of things, is like right. the small moments in the day, um, yep. like especially with an appointment structure, that is like five minutes or ten minutes 
in between is when I'll flick into it. So, like, my consumption's, you know, an hour or two in a day. And you're like, yep. that's, that's a lot of small five minutes. <laughs> yeah, man, it adds up. Uh, and, like, that's even, that's why I try to, I've tried to step away from it because, like, why do, while I'd wait for, like, a, um, a file to open, you know, and mm, you mm. just pick up your phone and your thumb clicks on Instagram and you're just like, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and yeah, man, I'm just like what you're saying, just trying to stop. Yeah. And it, it's been, it's been quite funny of late. Um, like, especially with, I think this is where I think things are compounding with the like daily updates of what's going on and like, Seriously, all you need to do is click the homepage and see that there's 90 cases. Or, and yep. in the case of living in the Waikato, how many are still in the Waikato? Oh, yeah, four or five. Oh, four or five. Oh, four or five. Oh, four or five. Yeah. You're like, okay, so the story is there's 80 in Auckland and four or five in, in Waikato. Carry on, move on. And then it's like, you, you know, they'll, they, they present something to try and clickbait you. And, you know, well, often you ignore it because you're like, well, there's the, there's the inverted commas story there, and and then you go, well, you know, you could check metrics all over the place. You can look at Instagram, or then I'm like, you know what, then none of this is fulfilling. I'm going to read my book, <laughs> or I'll go like talk to the staff. <laughs> yeah, and shit, you feel so much better. It's it's so good, and that's why I love going to the gym as well. It's like put my timer on, put my my programming on and have an hour or have half an hour to like yep. disengage and, and just be focused on you know exertion and, and sweat and pain and all those sorts of things it's so good where did where did all of this kind of develop for you where did it come out of yeah a this bit way like, of being yeah but like you the self-improvement stuff so like behind me there i've got uh two of the tim ferris books um there's the um Middle schools coach from the Waikato Chiefs, Dave Gobraith's book. Um, it's called oh, yeah. Unleashing Greatness. So those yeah. those sorts of things. Um, I've read those. Like I said, when I was young, I read the Winner's Bible, um, yep. David Beckham biographies, Lance Armstrong biographies, um, lots of rugby biographies, things like that. Yeah. And yeah, just like viscerally absorbing things like Tony Robbins. Um, never like engaging with the programs or anything but just picking up snippets and that's why i like podcasts because yeah it allows you to pick so many brains um yeah so when when you're consuming that content you're consuming those behaviors and that's what i also try to cultivate in my instagram is trying to get examples of um ways i'd like to live my life and it's the same with this podcast, like life less ordinary. It's like, how are other people living their life and striving through their life? And yep. can that be an example for everyone else? And that's where there's such great synergy with what you're doing, like making positivity louder. It's it's cool. Like, yeah. And like, so without the, the youth group, what what individually do you sort of take responsibility in terms of your growth with? Um. Yeah, man, like, Pretty much like yourself like um <clears throat> the the first book that i read that kind of flicked the switch um in terms of like self-development and understanding the universe and everything was a secret oh wow yeah, yeah. um i don't know if you've read that but that was yeah. a that's a really good book and then the one directly after that the alchemist 
Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And both of those books kind of like go hand in hand and kind of tell you that you are the, the creator of your world. You are the alchemist and you can, you can create or bring about things in this world. You know, and and that I, I was at a time where I was able to relate that to everything that we'd done before, you know, with the shows and stuff like that. Um, but nowadays, like, um, I'm a really big fan of Tom Bilyeu, mm-hmm. you know, Impact yeah. Theory. Impact Theory, and yeah. that guy is the man. And a lot of what I try and do, I base off and learn off what he's doing, you mm-hmm. know from the way he sets his videos and things up and the way he likes to interview and the people he interviews. And I was like, man, that's, that's like an, an inspirational somewhere well, what, I'd like what, to. What platform is he using when he's having that sort of conference set up? Um, I'm not too sure. I haven't looked into that. I've looked into some um, online softwares. There's like Riverside, which I've been looking into. Mm-hmm. That's been pretty good because Zoom will do like a 720p download. Yeah. And video, whereas Riverside, you get like full HD plus all the audio tracks and stuff. Yeah. Um. So I've been looking into that to see if that's something that I could do, but I haven't looked into what he does because his stuff's pretty like crystal clear, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was that? Yeah, what's the last podcast? Um, I brought Impact Theory up. Um. And I couldn't remember Tom Bailey's name. Um, and he was he was somebody that I sort of found out uh, by looking at sort of low carbohydrate diets and things because his 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 sort of success story was Quest Nutrition. But yep. he has um, his vision is kind of like being another Disney. Do you do you know that about him? Yeah, yeah. He wants <laughs> to create like comic books and videos and stuff like that. That's like his true passion and what he wants to achieve yeah and then like he's also sort of pivoted with his wife and talking about like relationship sort of applications and and i reshared today a conversation with brene brown and esther perel and how that was a lot about um, adult relationship and sort of roles in relationships and and sort of the personality traits of either person in the relationship and um they sort of talk about the conflict when people kind of cross those boundaries, when situations demand different personality traits from people that like they're talking about in the concept of uncertainty and COVID. And I think Brene yeah. Brown's um, husband's a pediatrician. So he has the ability to, um, I think the, the terms like strong beliefs loosely held. So he can observe the information and make a decision, but he doesn't necessarily think that that's correct. And whereas right. Brene says she is very uncertain about a lot of things, and she just wanted like the answer. And he was like, yeah. "Well, you know, we we can't. This is this is a novel thing. We 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 don't know the answer. Every day we we're treating this differently, but every day we make a decision and do the best that we can." And she was just like, "Well." Okay, so I'm gonna to have to be the person that's sitting around this. He's like, "Yeah, that, that's good." And she's like, "It brought up so much conflict between the two of them, but they were strong enough to work through it." And and, and she said it was one of the hardest times they've had as a relationship, but also the biggest growth that they've had in a relationship. And then that's what I think Tom Bailey and his wife are talking about. That hey, um, 
in your personal relationship, you can have this massive growth um, as individuals, but then you can bring that into business because business and teams is about relationships and understanding how those dynamic works, uh, those dynamics work. Being the owner or the founder, you might have to have that adult to um, subordinate mm-hmm. child um, relationship. But yep. what you should really be doing is empowering them to come to that really equal conversation so that you can both grow and create and um, you know you can distribute responsibility and people can take take hold of their projects and things like that and like yeah that's like i say like you say um tom belly what is what he's putting out there is, is super powerful yeah man and like even even to that i think what we do is we like um we like come uh compartmentalize everything yeah <laughs> in our in our life you know we have like our work we have our home family personal friends other groups you know and we like put them all into like different categories you know in different parts of life but like we forget that that is all one life yeah yeah <laughs> you know and and at the end of the day you're just human beings so how cool and, and so whatever you learn from here, you can 100% fucking throw into that one, you yeah. know? And all you got to do is just be be yourself and every single one of them and you're all good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's really That's what good. I've learned. That's what I've like learned from him, probably. Yeah. I think what's cool there as well, you brought up like um, you're different, like your family, um, your work, your friends. Like something that I continually journal is um, – uh, so I do a future gratitude, what I want like my life to look like and what I'll be grateful for in the future. And it's always this image of like a lounge room that has your friends, that has your f- immediate family and it has your extended family in it and this great amalgamation and fusion of all of those people. So um, the the small sort of snippet I have of that at the moment is my uh, good friend Matt that I, that I fled with in Auckland, his parents live in the Mount and we will often go to that place because it's reasonably central to the rest of us. I'm down here where I was in Hawke's Bay. Our other mates in the North Shore, Matt's in Taranaki and our other friends in Palmerston North. So the Mount's pretty central for all that. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're there enjoying ourselves and each other's company, but also their parents are there enjoying their company. And I just like, when I was over in the Mount doing um, a Wim Hof session with Nigel Beach, I, I went and popped in and, and Matt's grandparents were there as well, and and like I'd right. been lucky enough to stay with Matt's grandparents in Taranaki once, and I was just like, "Hey, how are you going?" Like, that is all one part of, like you say, it is one life. It's so cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, and and I think we we forget we forget that. Yeah. You know, we think everything is so individual, and we have to put on different personalities, like. We're, when we're at work, we're a different, completely different person as to who we are at home. And yeah, do you have a kids? lot of me. Yeah, how old do you think I am, man? I don't know. <laughs> Take a guess. Oh, I would you say fifteen, five years, uh, twenty-nine. Oh, close. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. I could have had kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, no kids, but no. getting married next year. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. uh that that's definitely adding like another element like um 
I have this. Uh, I have a photo of my daughter in my um, practicing room now. Um, for so long, I've been um, in practices where I've moved around, like a couple of days here, a couple of days there, a couple of days there. So I've never really had my own room. Like hot desking, yeah. Yeah, hard out hot desking is exactly what I've been doing. And yeah. so now to have a room to my to myself, um, I've been able to put this picture of my daughter up. And again, it's just like in my practice, she's part of my life, and it's like to my patients like this is part of my life that you know that's my daughter you know and especially like with young kids i love i love um working with young kids because you know there's so much potential i love i love asking them what are they passionate about what what would they like to do and often none of them know but just instilling that hey you can do anything like we were talking about earlier you know the options are endless what do you you know just what are you trying what are you what are you enjoying what's fascinating you um and then being able to relate their stories and say, yeah, that's kind of like what my daughter's like, and that like seeing that realism, you know, and reflect back in kids is so awesome. So yeah, and um, do do you get to go into these childcare spaces and and see that like energy movement? Oh, wicked man! Yeah, man. Like we'll we'll have days where the company takes us out and we go visit like all the buildings that we've created or are being built. Um, just so that we can see what we're doing and the the impact and the effect that it has, and yeah, like there's there's one story where we spoke to the te- some of the teachers who worked in the space, and they were just like, "This building is like life changing." Wow, you know, and for for us to hear that, that was like we couldn't ask for anything more. You know, like that kind of just set it into stone as to like what we do has a direct impact on the people that use the space man you, you brought up um energy of the space and um one of, one of the last weekends i, I spent with jugger he, he's who i would stay with when i come up from hawks bay to see my daughter um and he's uh Kutharati and in hindu as well and he sort of asked me one day well, like what do you believe in right and, and i said well I was, I was brought up catholic so i have this sort of soul idea but I see it yep. as as energy that's constant and like it's and he said, Bro, you you should look into Hinduism. You should, <laughs> and <was> like, man. <laughs> and then and then I and then like when we re- really got down to talking, um, after you had talked with um with Will Fleming on, on his Instagram life, you were sort of outlaying this this con- constancy of energy and, and connection with your ancestors. And I was like yeah, yeah, Jagarad, you 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 were right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, is man. it is it really exciting when someone brings you a project that is about energy? Yeah, because like, it's like everything that you you believe in or that you've been told, like, or taught, mm-hmm. you know, to think about, and then someone's like, "Let's look at this," and you're like, "Oh, we're like on the same wavelength, yeah. and we can find like the chances of something like that." would be if i was anywhere else but like one in a million mm-hmm. you know um but that's where like the the universe aligns you know to like what you want mm. where you're in the you have this belief and you have this purpose you know and you're vibrating on this frequency um and then the the space that you're in allows for that and therefore the, the projects that you work on will allow for that as well hundred percent because of the, the energy that you propagate mm. you know and like it, it it's even in like physics mm. you know the law of conservation of energy you can't destroy or create it 
it only transforms. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's where that is a lot of where my ideal of of the spiritual and unexplained comes from is like that conservation of energy. And I like do think of the Big Bang, and <laughs> um, it's actually a, a homebrew song. What what what's before the Big Bang? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's a it's a cool cool uh, mind game to happen. Um, yeah, no, the, Tom Tom Scott's a genius in, in his lyrics and <laughs> like it might be hip hop, but there's some cool stuff, mate. Um, where do people find you? Like, where do they uh, ra- raise the positivity? <laughs> they can raise the positivity in their own life, man. Uh, you yeah. can find me. Um, I'm on all the social media platforms, websites, www.thehumannow.co.nz. I'm The Human Now on um, Instagram, uh, TikTok as well, um, and even on all podcasting spaces if you just head up The Human Now, and that's where you'll find me. Brilliant, bro. So you uh, you brought up flow there. Um, yep. What what? does keep you in flow what shows up in your life when things are moving along in that great direction before bloody life drops you on your bum (laughs) (laughs) what keeps me in the flow is and like just knowing and staying true to my purpose and what i believe in like that's my true north and if i'm if i've if i'm thinking about that and that's at my forefront yeah then everything's good even when life chucks you in the ringer you know you then you know that you're in the ringer for this reason and that that reason is that you're still staying on that path beautiful my man thank you so much gosh this has been cool. no worries man yeah, yeah this was epic this was sick it went so quick <laughs> yeah bro and um hopefully well we can do it in person sometime soon our fingers are crossed. Whatever <laughs> happens with these traffic lights when the when it goes green. <laughs> Let's not get into that, man. Yeah, like, bro. Let's keep it positive. <laughs> Legion Valpress stop there. Exactly. Sweet man.